Welcome to Conversations with Coaches, where top executive coaches talk about leadership tools that shape their practice and then give them to you for free. This is a stakeholder-centered coaching production where we believe everyone deserves a stakeholder-centered leader. I'm Brandon Murgard, CEO and Master Coach, and I'll be your host as we take you inside the coach's toolbox. The best part of this season is that you get to keep the tools. We're giving each resource to our listeners for free as part of our mission to measurably improve leadership effectiveness around the world. You can download all the tools at mgscc.net forward slash coach dash toolbox. That's mgscc.net forward slash coach dash toolbox. By the way, if you're a certified stakeholder center coach, you already have access to all these tools inside your SCC coach portal. So get yours today. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have the privilege of hosting the CEO and co-founder of Marshall Goldsmith's 100 Coaches, Scott Osman and Jacqueline Lane. Since its inception in 2016, 100 Coaches has set the gold standard for leadership thinking. But that's not all. They're also the masterminds behind 100 Leaders Live, the 100 Coaches Conference and Community, and Methods by 100 Coaches, an online leadership academy. Together, these initiatives offer innovative programs that not only aim to cultivate exemplary leadership, but also to foster the best in each one of us. Now, Scott and Jacqueline don't just talk about leadership. They give you the tools to become a better leader yourself. Today, they bring us some exciting resources, a sample chapter from the book Becoming Coachable, which generously includes free access to the Becoming Coachable Honor Education System. Co-authored with none other than Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, Becoming Coachable is more than a book. It's a roadmap to becoming a better leader, better collaborator, and a better human being. It's about understanding that the path to unparalleled success lies in becoming coachable and investing in your own betterment. So ladies and gentlemen, buckle up as we deep dive into the world of leadership coaching and personal growth with Scott and Jacqueline. Let's all learn how to become coachable and transform ourselves into the leaders we aspire to be. Scott and Jacqueline, thank you so much for being here today. So great to be here, Brandon. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited. Yeah. You know, I have to start by saying just how deeply personally I've been impacted by your work with 100 coaches. Um, you know, as far back as the what, the mid-20-teens at the launch, I was such a big fan of your initiative with the community and my first event in 2020 where I had the life-changing experience of hearing uh, Harry Kramer and his presentation on leadership and problem-solving and, uh, you know, recently a few months ago in, in Nashville where we got to hear Bo Jing and Alan Mullally. Um, you know, your work has just created such a radical shift in the way that I personally lead, the way I manage and just the way I show up day to day. So I'm really eager to get into this because both of your work has just been meaningful and profound in my own life. So I still want to start with my gratitude. Thank you both. Wow. Thank you, Brandon. That means hearing that means so much to us. Uh, it really was. Thank you. Um, so, you know, let's start by just giving our listeners a bit of, of the story of how you both kind of got to where you are, are now. Can you give us the backstory? Sure. I'll, um, I'll start. You'll, um, so, um, my journey <laughs> with coaching began. I met, I met, um, Marshall in 2016, 
uh, he was on, he was at work on uh, Triggers, the book, uh, and I was going to help him do a technology platform for Triggers. Uh, but then he called me up one day, said, "Hey, I want to teach fifteen people everything I know about coaching," um, and uh, and he said, "I think I think you should help me, and uh, it'll be fun. You'll learn a lot, and, right? You know, as and as Marshall often says, you know, no downside." So um, I uh, tend to say yes to things when interesting things appear, and so I did. And by December of that year, we had, so oh, Marshall put up a video on LinkedIn, 12,000 people applied to be one of those first 15. Uh, it's now been over 20,000 people. Um, but by December of that year, we did the first session, the Everything Marshall sessions, we started to call them, uh, where we taught 25 people everything Marshall knew. Alan Mulally was there. Uh, and it was pretty phenomenal. It was so phenomenal that we thought we should do this again. Uh, and so we did. We did it again and again. And by December of 2017, we had um, trained over 100 people. Uh, we're having a big event at the World Bank. And um, I had a quick conversation with Marshall about turning this into a community. Uh, and again, in total Marshall style, he said yes. Um, and so I began the process of creating the brand and the community, which is now called 100 Coaches, which now has about 400 people, uh, a combination of leaders, leadership thinkers, and leadership coaches. Of course, Frank Wagner, you are um, part of that wonderful community. About three years into building the community, uh, people started calling me up looking for coaches because we had been aggregating some of the best coaches in the world. Um, and especially for very, very senior leaders, finding that unique type of coach is very difficult uh, because those individual coaches are typically not in any kind of organization or agency. They're out on their own. Um, and so um, I started just making referrals to those for for some coaches. Um, and after a year of doing that, uh, began to conceptualize a new way uh, to fill the white space of how to address the problem for those people. Was lucky enough to meet Jacqueline at that time. She'll tell you sort of her journey that comes into uh, this fork in the road for me. Um, but over the last three years, it's only been three years, uh, we have had a whole new approach to how senior leadership can connect to coaches. It's a curation approach. Um, it's Candidly, based on a lot of what I learned from Frank and Chris uh, in the, uh, you know, learning about uh, stakeholder-centered coaching, uh, I guess I should disclose, I have gone through stakeholder-centered coaching five times, uh, not because I was a poor student, but because um, almost all of the 100 coaches, certainly many of them, have gone through the training are stakeholder-centered coaches because we do believe that fundamentally uh, SCC is one of the great bases for a talented and valuable coaching career. And, and a lot of the structure of that is built into what we do as an agency. So um, so today we're um, you know we're we're aspiring to helping the greatest leaders in the world find the coach that's right for them. Uh, but Jacqueline had a totally different way into coaching. Yeah, sure. I'll share a little bit about that. I I worked in uh, corporate America, the energy industry. Um, that's where I started my career and Started a, a side hustle, if you will, if you can believe it, uh, writing 360 assessments. Uh, that was my introduction into the world of executive coaching. And uh, through that work of just writing 360 assessments, came to really see how powerful feedback was, right? You know, you're taking all of these transcripts and recordings from these people who really genuinely want a leader to be better, do better, help them live a better life, be more effective. Uh, and just being able to then take that, aggregate it, and create a report that you know, many people said was among the most valuable reports they've ever read. Uh, some people even said they put it on their kitchen refrigerator because it was so impactful to them, something that they reviewed very often. 
And that was, it just showed me the power of the world of coaching. Uh, and then around that time, again, I was still working in corporate America. I, I was seeking a coach for myself, trying to figure out what was what was my direction? What was it that I needed to grow and improve in and, and what was next in my career? And uh, I was very <laughs> disheartened by how difficult it was to find a coach. There's so many people out there. Uh, how do you know who's going to be the right fit? It was just, you know, analysis paralysis, a little overwhelming. Um, but, you know, again, I had the great pleasure of getting introduced to Scott through a mutual friend and uh, heard his vision for creating a better process for finding a coach at the 100 Coaches Agency. Um, just heard that vision and, and caught that too. Mm -hmm. And now we've been doing that for the last three years. And we think we've created a great way to find the coach that's going to be the perfect fit for you. Well, I would be remiss if we didn't tell our listeners that you can go to 100coaches.com. 100coaches.com to see more about the community, who's in the community, what the community is doing. Uh, and I believe also, Scott, there is a subdomain for the agency that you're running as well. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah. So um, actually, if you go to the 100coaches.com page, you'll see there's kind of a, you can go either left to the community or right to the agency, uh, but you could also just go agency.100coaches100coaches.com uh, and go straight to the agency website. Beautiful. So be sure to check that out, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Jacqueline, so it sounds like your introduction to the uh, the whole 100 Coaches ecosystem came through uh, feedback. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. What was some of the things that you were noticing about uh, leaders accepting the feedback, taking it on board, actioning it? Was there any themes that kind of became the springboard for this this tool that you have put together? Yeah, you know... I think it's it's true that none of us can really see ourselves, right? Even when we look in a mirror, we're seeing a reflection of ourselves. We're not really seeing ourselves with our own eyes. And the same is true for leaders in the way that they lead and the way they show up. They, we simply all need the reflections of other people to know how it is that we're being perceived. You know, uh, so many leaders think that they're doing one thing and they're showing up one way. Uh, but it takes the feedback of other people for them to recognize it's being totally misunderstood. It's coming across totally wrong. Uh, and I think that's it's such a powerful realization to know those blind spots, to see those blind spots. Are some leaders more receptive to that than others? Of course. you know. And I think that is uh, the job of the coach is to help people come to an acceptance. You know, Whether or not they agree with the feedback, the best thing you can possibly say is thank you because feedback really truly is a gift and it helps us do better. Um, and so, uh, but for those leaders who are willing to accept that feedback, who recognize and have the humility uh, to recognize that they can grow, uh, it can be an incredibly powerful tool and a catalyst for radical change and, and accomplishing more than they really ever thought possible. Now you're launching a, a new book called Becoming Coachable. Could you give us a, a brief introduction to the book and kind of how it came about? Sure. Um, well, so as I mentioned, I've been working with Marshall for seven years and uh, seven, eight years, gosh. And, um, you know, during that time, met all these amazing coaches. And I thought, hey, I, I should have a coach. <laughs> Why not? Uh, so I started asking coaches if they'd coach me. And of course, they said yes. You know, we had a good relationship. Um, and, and for some reason, uh, nobody was ever the right coach. Uh, in fact, more often than not, uh, I would start, you know, start the beginning of a coaching relationship and I ended up coaching them, um, which wasn't, wasn't really what I was looking for, but, but still delighted to do that. 
Uh, and then when Jacqueline came on board, we've been working together for maybe about a year. Um, and we started to have some conversations. And I think she might have um, gently suggested uh, that the reason that I was having trouble finding a coach was because I wasn't exhibiting the traits of what a good coachee would be doing. Uh, I don't think she put it quite that way, but I think in hindsight, that's what she was telling me. <laughs> and uh, and I began to like rethink uh, this whole notion of the coach-coaching relationship. And she and I, with Marshall, had a lot of conversations of what does it take to be a good coachee? Uh, you know, I'm sure you've heard Marshall say, and he says it all the time. I believe he learned it from Ellen Lolly. So if you want to be successful as a coach, start with a great leader and make them even better. And if you start with someone who's not very good, you're only going to get so far. Uh, and so client selection is one of the real keys to successful coaching. And part of client selection is having someone who's ready to be coached. Um, so we spent, we spent some time talking to the members of our community uh, who I think we figured out collectively had some like 400 years of coaching, some crazy number. Um, but, uh, you know, talking about what does it take to have someone who's ready to be coached, who's coachable? Um, what are the what are the key things to look for? And um, and that became the book, Becoming Coachable. Uh, the big insight was there's there is no book out there that helps people prepare themselves for the coaching relationship. Um, and what a great value amplifier to be ready for coaching rather than, you know, sort of get ready in the process. With maybe, you know, 100,000 or so coaches in the space, and that number seems to be growing uh, every week. So I'm not even exactly sure what it is today, but there's so many training programs these coaches have been through. Every one of them touches in some form or fashion on client selection. But you're right. The vast majority of coaches will say one of their big problems is I don't know how to pick the right clients. I don't know how to discern them. And none of the training programs are rising to that occasion. So what is it that becoming coachable does differently or teaches differently that these other programs may be missing out on? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we were talking to coaches about, you know, the success or failure of different engagements, again, this theme of coachability came up over and over. The people who are the most coachable are the people who go the furthest and have the best results. Uh, and those who are not coachable, you know, they struggle in those engagements. And so we really worked hard to identify what are those characteristics that go into coachability? What makes someone coachable? And we came up with this framework that we call the openness framework. Uh, and it's, are you open to four things? Are you open to change, open to feedback, open to taking action, and open to being held accountable? Uh, and of course, this is always a spectrum. We can be more open to change, more open yeah. to feedback, right? Uh, but, but just we find that just being open to it you know, taking that first step, even if it's a skeptical first step, is really the key. And if we can encourage, if coaches can have that conversation uh, with a potential client and just assessing how open they are to these different things, I think they'll be able to predict very early on whether or not they're going to be successful with that coachee. Right. I'm laughing because obviously she's talking about me. <laughs> and it's a little, I, I, Brenda, I have to say it's a little insidious because we all think we're open to change and feedback. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, uh, you know, if you say you're open to change, but you're unwilling to change, or if you say you're un you know, open to feedback, but unwilling to listen to feedback, um, then, then, you know, there's a pretty good indication that you might be the barrier, uh, to becoming coachable. Um, and, and in my case, I have to confess and, and 
gosh, we write this, but I think the very first line in the book is, uh, I wasn't always coachable. Um, and, and I think in my case, it manifested itself as it does for too many leaders, uh, thinking that I had all the answers, uh, thinking that I knew everything I needed to know to do what I was doing. Um, and it wasn't until I let go of that, because if you're feeling that way, you don't need to be open to change because you don't have to change everything because it's all good. Um, and when you let go of that, um, that changes everything. So how does someone self-assess? You've got these four, these four, well, first, Jacqueline, I am open to being changed on my understanding of these four, these four quadrants. Um, as you're saying them, of course, I'll speak on behalf of our listeners because I think many would agree. Yeah, you know, I think I'm pretty good on all four of those. But as you say, most of us aren't. So how can we how can we self-assess whether we actually are high on these, or is it even possible to self-assess? Right. Uh, it's. I think. I think you're right, Brandon. That there is. It's very helpful to get the perspectives mm-hmm. of other people to ask people in our lives. For you know, for example. Have I been open to receiving your feedback? Yeah. Uh, have well, I been open to making the changes? It's it's one of the big um, aha moments, I'll say generously, of a 360. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when all of those things that you thought you were amazing at turn out that you're the only one who thinks that, right. uh, that's a great time to reassess. Um, I think that for the coach also, I think the coach, you know, going back to client selection, um, I think the coach in the early conversations should try to assess, is this person open to change? Are they going to listen to feedback? Um, if they do listen to the feedback, are they willing to take action on that? Um, yeah. I love uh, Carol Kaufman has a framework on this where she asks people, uh, you know, how motivated are you to actually do this, to take this action? And if they answer anything less than eight, she says, well, then you're not going to do it, right? That's, that's how invested you have to mm-hmm. be in making a change. It has to be at at least an eight on a 10 scale. Yeah. Uh, and I think in when it comes to taking action and being held accountable, that's where you really see the rubber meet the road. You know, you can you can profess to be very open <laughs> to change all day yeah. long. Uh, but when you actually need to put it into action and now be held accountable for doing for taking those actions, I think that's where uh, yeah. it can really reveal itself. Yeah. And we, we talk about this. Lightly, but but I think the very first thing I ever learned from Marshall uh, was real change is hard. Lasting change is even harder. Um, and in a lot of his, I, um, Brendan, I know you go to our our, our monthly calls, and um, a lot of the conversations have been around uh, a shift in his thinking around accountability, uh, where he says, you know, the key the key to lasting change is accountability, and you know, continue to go through and follow through for a year and there you have it. And now he's come to realize that even with a year of accountability, change does not last forever. That accountability is a lifetime pursuit and that we have to continue to hold ourselves accountable on a regular basis for the things that we want to change and hold that change. And it doesn't mean we're lazy or bad people. No. It just means that we're busy and we all have- Change is hard. Yeah, change is hard. Uh, we all need help. It's hard to live very consciously in each moment of every day. And some of these external supports, like an accountability partner or a coach, are often the keys to making sure that we have guardrails so that we actually stick with the things that we've committed to. Um, because again, it, it's hard. 
As our conversation unfolds, you may be wondering, what is this whole stakeholder-centered coaching thing? It's a leadership development process that guarantees leaders become both recognized and acknowledged as more effective leaders by key stakeholders in 12 months or less. Nearly 5,000 coaches have been trained in this methodology. The coaching program is designed to build functional expertise from three stages, intellectual, practical, and applicable on the job. In addition to graduating with the most rigorous research-driven coaching methodology on the market, you'll also walk away with measurable coaching results and a lifetime certification to show for it. We don't just believe in what we do. We stand behind it. And that's why we are giving away complimentary access to the first stage of the training to anyone listening to this podcast. Get your very own access code today by visiting mgscc.net forward slash sample dash course. Let's tune back into the interview. Well, something that you very well uh, illuminate in chapter three of the book, which which for our listeners, by the way, this is this is what you're getting today is the the third uh, full chapter of the book, Becoming Coachable, where you talk about stakeholder-centered coaching and its impact um, towards that sustainability. Uh, what I what I want to share with you here is something I've recently been doing in the past few years as it relates to sustainability and accountability is a year or so after I wrap up an engagement is sending them another mini survey just just to see how things are going. If it's going really well, hey, that's excellent. Very proud. Who else, who else in your team needs this? If it's not going so well, hey, guess what? You've got a system that you can use to get this, uh, to get that external accountability. I can help you get that back into place so you can do it yourself and we can give this a go. But it really does help uh, with that change. So maybe you can share some here, kind of the intersection points between becoming coachable and stakeholder center coaching. Yeah, I mean, I would say, um, you know, I mean, gosh, stakeholder-centered coaching was my doorway into knowing coaching. Uh, I I didn't really know coaching, but I had never heard of coaching really before I met Marshall. Um, and early on, uh, you know, Frank was was probably one of the first twenty-five, and uh, we did stakeholder-centered coaching very early on. And stakeholder-centered coaching was my introduction to the world of coaching, uh, and I still believe it's the strongest framework out there. Um, and love and love the tools and approaches and everything else of it, uh, because it is it's it's very clear and simple and methodical and effective. And if you uh, do it, you will get better. Right, but you know you have to continue to do it forever. And you're right, like you know a year of accountability sounds like a long time, but you know the decay of whatever change we make is inevitable. The- you know it's just too hard. Yeah, how many of us have had a personal trainer? You know, for six months or a year, we go to the gym consistently and our trainers there making sure we show up at least two or three times a week. We do our workouts. They push us a little bit further than we thought we could be pushed. Uh, And, you know, the numbers start to really improve. You start to see real progress. But then you think, oh, now I've built the habit of great exercise. I know what I'm doing in the gym now. I don't need a trainer anymore. And you go separate ways. How many of us really stick with our fitness goals and continue to make progress in the same way? Uh, You know, I... I think for most of us, no, we, we do some backsliding, which, you know, inevitably leads us to find either a trainer again or right. some other solution. I, I'd, and settle. I'd settle yeah. if like I finish with the trainer and I just like maintain that level. Like I get it. Without the trainer, I'm not going to push myself harder, yeah. but I can't even sustain the level that we got to. 
Uh, and the same thing's true in coaching. Uh, you know, there's too many things that are constantly tugging on us um, and depleting our leadership ability. Um, and the coach is there to, you know, continue to identify those blind spots uh, and support our aspirations. Beautiful. I, I love that line, um, that line that you had a minute ago, Scott, that the, uh, maybe you can recall it about the decay of the efforts that we've made as it relates to the sustainability. Yeah. What was that? Yeah, I don't know, but I'd love to, I'd love to figure out like the half-life of a coach, you know, the effectiveness of coaching. Like the coaching is so supremely felt, you know, effective when you're doing it. And then every year after you do it, it decays. Um, and you don't quite get the same effectiveness. The, you know, the world is just, you know, pushing its way into those cracks and crevices uh, that pull us off really what we know we should be doing. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe you can give us a high level uh, a kind of quick skim through the narrative of, of the book and how the chapters link together. So if I were to pick this up, kind of what's the, the high level storyline I'm going to read through? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we've broken the book into three main sections. Uh, we realized that there was no great single compendium of, of the world of coaching uh, and just discussing some of these different mm -hmm. approaches and some of the nuances that go into how do you select a coach, begin an engagement, and some of those details. And that's really what's covered in section one. Uh, and so that's in chapter three, uh, which we've provided for listeners here, uh, is that final chapter in section one, which is all about then beginning the coaching engagement. And we talk quite a bit about stakeholder-centered coaching and about what a great process it is and why we recommend it. And we think it just dovetails so naturally with, again, our, our openness framework that we discussed, which is, you know, the four uh, elements mm -hmm. of coachability. And then that middle section is all about becoming coachable. That's what that middle section is titled. Uh, it's those four different frameworks, again, open to change, feedback, taking action, and accountability. And it has lots of stories about how to identify if you are really, truly open to all those different things and what that looks like. And it kind of naturally guides you through the coaching engagement. Again, mm -hmm. very similar to stakeholder-centered coaching, mm -hmm. uh, where you engage with first that, that process of just taking on a coach, that open to change. And then the that 360 assessment is where you mm -hmm. first see a lot of that feedback, uh, taking action, making some of those actionable steps, checking back in with your stakeholders uh, and and having them hold you accountable to that, that, you know, that's naturally built into that middle section. But the third section of the book mm -hmm. is titled To What End? And this is perhaps the section we are most excited mm -hmm. about because this is really asking the question, why does any of this matter? Why does it matter if we're coachable? Uh, and it's and it comes down to it's not just about becoming a better leader and being more effective in our work. It's about being a better human being, uh, and not just that either. It's about realizing the impacts that we all have, how interconnected we all are, and that if we are better leaders and better human beings, then what we're doing is creating human flourishing, both for ourselves and for all the people around us. And so it's a, a description yeah. and discussion around what does that really mean. Um, and that was a very fun part yeah. of the book to write. I think, I think in a sense, Brendan, it's putting a flag in the ground and saying, like, why are we coaches? Like, what are we really trying to do? Um, and look beyond just the tactic of coaching and helping people become better leaders uh, and realize that, you know, I, I think in our opinion, and I, I think this is going to prove out, coaches are going to be instrumental to making the world a better place mm. because leaders are the fulcrum that we have to improve the lives of other people. 
um, and by helping leaders be better leaders, uh, that we can really have a massive impact on a lot of lives. I think that's the work of, of your coaches, our coaches, uh, good coaches around the world. That is fascinating. So can you tell me a bit about the connection between being a better leader and how that relates to being a better human? I think, again, as we were creating this book, we recognized that those same qualities that make someone more coachable are some of the same qualities that we recognize in great leaders. That some of the qualities we most admire in leaders is, let's say, for example, an intellectual humility, recognizing that they don't know it all and have all the answers. Um, people who know how to hear the needs of their team and build a great culture. Those are some of those same qualities, again, that, go, that being coachable helps you to do uh, very naturally. But again, they're also some of the same qualities of people that we would describe as great human beings that we recognize, you know, beyond business in our personal lives, you know, the feedback from my spouse or my kids is really important to informing how I show up and making me a better spouse, a better parent, uh, a better son or daughter to my parents. Mm -hmm. You know, all of that feedback and engaging in that process helps us improve in every area of our lives. Sometimes, again, uh, the the business side of things is what leads us into the process and helps us start that. Um, but for those who are really open to it, it can apply to every single aspect of life. So you see, you see that process of becoming a better leader also naturally bleeding into to other areas of life. Is this something that you have seen firsthand, or maybe you have some some anecdotes or stories you could regale us with? Sure. I mean, we see this in a lot of leaders that get coached. Um, is, you know, in the process of becoming a better leader, they also become a better human being. Um, I'll say also just anecdotally, um, stakeholder-centered coaching uh, is, a, is a human process, right? The process of listening to feedback and then um, being willing to take action, create the change and being held accountable. Um, I mean, that's, that's the core of certainly stakeholder-centered coaching, but also I think being a better human being. Um, it's, I feel so strongly about the process that um, uh, a friend of mine who's an architect uh, was thinking about her business and how she wanted to reorient it. And we came up with an idea called, uh, we call it the delightful framework. Um, but basically, it's stakeholder-centered coaching for the architect-client relationship. So at the beginning of the relationship, she says, um, what would make this a delightful relationship for you? Um, and typically the person might say something like, well, you know, we, I prefer you over communicate, no surprises. And she says, great. Every month, I bet for the, your, for the listeners who are sick, centered coaches, it's going to sound very familiar. Uh, every month I'm going to ask you on a scale of one to 10, how am I doing on over communicating? Um, and just that one question, um, opens up a dialogue between the client and the, uh, and the architect so that whatever is coming up can be addressed. And she gets an early warning when things are not going the way they should be. Um, also, very similar in stakeholder center coaching, we talk about, you know, if you don't ask the question every month, then if you do great for five months and fail in month six, people just think, you know, I knew he could never do it. <laughs> um, so too in this, if, you're, if she's doing great every single month and then one month fails to communicate, the likelihood is the person's going to say, you know, you've been doing great, but this month was not so good. Yeah. And she can say, great, thank you for that feedback. I'll try better for next month. Um, really beautifully applicable in life. And again, you know, I'm not going to do that with my kids. Um, but I do, I do know people who do. 
and uh, you know, being a better leader, better being a better human being are really, really tied together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think of our co-author and dear friend Marshall, who often has this exercise at uh, seminars and speeches where he has everyone in the audience pull out their phone and say, and he says, "I need you mm -hmm. to text one person right now, someone that you love and are close with." And just ask them, how can I be a better whatever the relationship is? So, for example, you know, for me, I texted my mom, mom, how can I be a better daughter to you? Um, and it's such a powerful exercise. Sometimes, sometimes people are very surprised to get these messages. How much time do you have? Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes uh, it saves it saves a relationship. You know, we've mm -hmm. seen it at least on two occasions. It saved a marriage. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, just, it works. It works in business and it works in life. You know, I, I will do something a little bit dangerous on the back of, uh, Scott, your comment on stakeholder center coaching being a human process. Uh, a little dangerous is sharing our, our long-term strategy that's very replicable. Um, but worst case, we accelerate something that's needed in the world is I think stakeholder center coaching will ultimately go the way of, of like chicken soup. If you recall the series chicken soup for the anybody, there will be stakeholder center coaching uh, for fathers, stakeholder center coaching for mothers, for teachers, for community leaders, for politicians, for whomever, because it is a human process. And right now we're really refining and researching the impact of it on um, leader and business, but that should obviously be uh, propagated throughout. So, you know, here's another fun question. Have either of you been through a full engagement of being coached with stakeholder center coaching? I don't think I have. No, I guess I haven't. I mean, I've done the simulations, of course, through the coursework, but I don't think I've ever. No, I haven't. Okay. Well, well, dear listeners, <laughs> if any of you are, are up for volunteering for coaching one of these two individuals, drop us an email to podcast at mgscc.net. Jacqueline and Scott, you do not know what you've just gotten yourself into. Um, there's something quite fascinating though, about coaching another coaching, a coach in their own methodology, uh, or using their own methodology because they know exactly where you're going and they actually get to see what well, speaking from experience, you get to see where you're headed, you know, five, six, seven moves ahead. And oddly enough, that doesn't change the impact of the questions being asked or the, the, there, there's, um, Nothing can be a surprise, and yet it will still be surprising how impactful uh, it is, regardless of the domain of life that you're going through. Uh, good. So on the topic of, of dangerous questions, so as a stakeholder center coach, I'm through the program. I've been doing this for 10, 15, 20 years, and I buy the book. What's that, what's that marginal uh, piece of information that's going to level up my game? Is it, in fact, this, um, the coachability framework the four-part uh, quadrant that you mentioned? Um, yeah, you know, I th I think, um, it sounds a little self-serving, but it, trust me, it is not. Um, I think everybody who's about to go into a coaching relationship should get a copy of this book because I think the leveling up for the coach is a better prepared coachee. I think the leveling up for the coach is having a better prepared coachee. And the coachee, listen, coach, if someone who's being coached reads this book, first of all, I'll uh, go straight to section three that Jacqueline was talking about. You know, let's agree that the purpose of what we're doing here to be for coaching is not just to help you be a better leader, but understand that you're contributing to the entire world flourishing. You're going to do your part in that by being a better leader and better human being. That's great. Um, and now let's look at part two. 
and understand this is what you have to be open to for us to be able to do our work. And you have a nice tight framework that you can go through and say, let's talk about what it means to be open to change. Let's talk about feedback. I mean, your coaches are doing this anyhow, but now you have sort of a, um, you know, a bit of a, a branded, if you will, or a, a, you know, authoritative book that says, this is what we're going to be doing in the coaching relationship. And I think it's going to accelerate the beginning of that relationship and help people get faster further. Yeah. Is it possible to have an over-prepared or, or over, yeah, an over-prepared client as a coach? Is there such a thing? Oh, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, well, I mean, look, if a, if a, if a coachy came in with reams of paper about what they, you know, what they've read about coaching and everything else, I think that gets it a little overcomplicated. Uh, but, you know, we, um, we learned again early on from Marshall, uh, like the things that are very simple are often the things that are most profound. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to read Becoming Coachable and they're going to, and they're going to feel like it's something they kind of sort of already knew, but never thought about. Mm. And that when they really reflect on it, they're going to recognize that, of course, you can't be coached unless you are willing to do these four things. And I think people will see themselves in all the stories that are scattered throughout the book. Mm. You know, I think that's where you start to illustrate some of these points. It's it's one thing to say, again, I'm, I'm, I'm open to change, but it's another thing to see story after story of of clients who either were very open to change or weren't open to change. And what were some of those those downfalls or sticking oh, points? Here's a, and a, another fun part. So we, um, the three of us recorded the audiobook. So um, Jacqueline and I alternated some of the chapters. Uh, Marshall uh, read, we have these like beautiful moments with Marshall, are great, great Marshall stories. Uh, and he read the, um, the executive summaries. And then chapter nine, which we referenced, actually was a conversation that we then reconstructed uh, where the three of us are sort of talking about what human flourishing is and how we see it in our lives and lives of people that we've coached or influenced. Um, I, I think uh, I think the listeners of this podcast are going to really enjoy uh, mm-hmm. listening to that book. Absolutely. And I'd be remiss not to mention that, you know, again, we we viewed this entire book really as a conversation more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And so that very conversational tone, especially of chapter nine and and some of the the conclusion of the book, also is meant to extend beyond. So we're giving people at, who buy the book access for free to a new online education platform called Honor Education, which is really beautifully designed um, uh, by some of the folks who created Apple University. And so it, it's a gorgeous platform. It's a way the entire book is uploaded there. And it's a way just to extend the conversation. You mm-hmm. can highlight different parts and you can be in community and converse with people uh, more about some of these ideas. Again, those four uh, tenets of the openness framework, human flourishing. How does that all come into play? What does that really mean? We're trying, we would love for people to engage with this content uh, and to think about how we can all apply it and expand it even further. So this is very much yeah. meant to be the beginning of the conversation. Yeah. And it's an asynchronous, yeah, asynchronous multimedia conversation. Mm-hmm. So you can upload video and audio and text and comments in the sections of the book. So, you know, you get to a certain point of the book and you're talking about openness to change. Uh, you can add your comments to experiences that you've had. And we think it's a really uh, exciting new generation of interactive learning and conversation, uh, which was our intention at the beginning of the book. And then this uh, this new platform was introduced to us and we're just delighted to make it accessible to uh, to this audience. Yeah. It'll be accessible at becomingcoachable.com. 
Yeah, I think the links are also going to be on the uh, on the website. Great. So, can you tell me who this book is is written for? And I'll say when I first saw the book on the tables in um, the the 100 Coach Conference, I thought, okay, this is for leaders who want to become coachable. But that actually, go ahead and share with us. Yeah, I mean, I think it's three three big audiences. Of course, you know, uh, it is for leaders who desire to become coachable, uh, who you know need to understand what it is that unlocks the possibility of coaching for them. Um, so that's really the the first audience. Uh, the second audience is for coaches who want a tool to help them in their coaching practice, prepare people for the work of coaching. Uh, and we think this tool is going to be a great tool for them as well. Um, and then the third audience, maybe the biggest audience, uh, is for people who just want to improve their quality of life. Uh, because becoming coachable for sure is written as a guide to get more out of the coaching relationship. Uh, but I think as we completed the book, we realized it's also a guide to becoming a better human being. Uh, even if you don't have coaching, uh, you know, being open to change, well, we keep repeating this, like being open to change, feedback, taking action, being held accountable, it certainly is a true, true uh, necessity in the coaching relationship. But even if you do it in life, uh, your life will be a better life. So I think there's a, a third market for people just using it to improve their quality of life. And what have you personally learned through the process of, of writing and putting this whole book together? I mean, there is nothing like writing a book to help you clarify your thinking. And just, I mean, we had to practice what we we're preaching because we had so many different hands that were involved in this process. We interviewed over 25 coaches and other leaders in our community who contributed some of their thoughts and stories. And so again, uh, compiling all of their uh, inputs and feedback and, and going through several rounds of edits with an editor and taking their feedback and, uh, you know, and then putting that into action and going through that process all over again and seeing just how engaging that process creates a refined product. Uh, it was so powerful for us. Um, and again, I, I think the part that I still feel the most excited about is that whole third section of the book where we talk about flourishing. I think that's a, that feels like a new idea. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll say for me, uh, developing the book was a journey of discovery. Uh, you know, I came into the book having some awareness that I was becoming coachable. Um, but I think through the process of writing the book and the collaboration with Jacqueline and Marshall, um, started to really fully understand what that meant. Um, and once we collectively understood what it meant to become coachable, that's where the idea of, of chapter three really evolved from or uh, part three. Uh, this idea of human flourishing, it was only through embracing, I guess in one sense, only through releasing uh, my need to control uh, and embracing my openness to change. Uh, could I really see um, and then collectively articulate what human flourishing was and why we needed to all move in that direction? Part of stakeholder center coaching, as you know, is uh, the, the ethos is bridging the gap between knowing and doing. So you have published an excellent book on coachability. So no question, you know what to do. Scott, if you were to self-analyze on the record in front of your co-author, uh, where would you rate your coachability now on a one to 10 scale? And Jacqueline, you're next. So do get ready for the question. So no, the, if I'm not mistaken, um, the question is, did I try my best on a scale of one to 10, 
did I try my best to be coachable today? Uh, that's uh, I do. I've been doing daily questions for three years now, um, and that is absolutely one of my questions. I would say that I probably uh, I probably tried about a level of a, of a nine, and um, and maybe succeeded a level of a. Depends on how generous Jacqueline is, but I'd say seven. Oh, <laughs> I, I think you're a solid nine. Thanks. That's she's very generous. It's very generous. It's it is a it, listen. It's like like Marshall says, uh, accountability. This kind of work is daily work. Uh, the 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 thing that gives me solace is no matter how bad I do yesterday, I can do better today. Right? Yesterday's gone. It's in the books. Um, but today we were just. Uh, I love tennis, and you watch the uh, you know these big tennis matches. They're so intense, and these points are so uh, they're so difficult, and and. From the stands, they look demoralizing, and yet you can see the player on the court. Whatever happens in that point, that's the last point. And now you focus on the current point, right? What we're doing right now. And I think this, the same thing's true here with coachability. Like, however bad you were yesterday, like let that go. It's gone, right? How good? What you know? How how good are you going to be today? Jacqueline, any any commentary you want to add? Because we're coming to you next. So oh uh, no, I. I covered it. You know, Scott, I don't know if it's the right question to ask if what if assessing yourself on the question, did I do my best? But you are verifiably an expert in this field. Is that the right question to ask? Did I do my best? I mean, is that the, the primary indicator of is that a primary indicator of coachability? Yeah, I mean, I would break it down to the four four elements of the coaching, um, you know, the becoming coachable framework. Uh, you know, did you try your best to be open to change, to be open to feedback, to be open to taking action? And, and you know, and again, this is Marshall, both teaching and, you know, just hearing him over and over and over again. Uh, you can't do more than trying your best. Mm-hmm. And uh, I find that the question, did you try your best, is a very insidious question because it sounds generous. It sounds like it's saying you're forgiven for not doing more than your best. But what it's really doing is it stopping you from making excuses, right? Because if you just said, you know, were you coachable? You know, on a scale of 10, were you coachable today? You're like, I would have been coachable, but the puppy was so loud, I couldn't possibly have done it. Um, And then you're deflecting the responsibility. But when you say, did you try your best? Then, you know, take into account anything you want to. But did you make, you know, did you make the fullest effort you could have uh, to do the best you can do? And you can't do more than that. Well... Jacqueline, how would you rate your coachability? And Scott, what's your, uh, in just a moment, we'll ask your commentary. I think that I, I struggle a little bit uh, right now in some of these dimensions, especially in uh, being held accountable. I think that's a really tough one. And, and I think it might be indicative that, I'm, I, as Marshall points out, I'm a daily questions dropout. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you know, uh, and that, and uh you know, I think that's an indicator that it's, it, I do find it hard, you know, and I think that I tend to be a little bit avoidant, especially when I'm, I don't feel like I'm showing up at my best uh, to continue to ask for that feedback. Because I, I think like many people, we, we don't want to hear bad news. We don't want to report to ourselves that, oh yeah, I'm only a five out of 10 on, did I try my best to, to hold myself accountable or, uh-huh. you know, so there you go. So I, I, I'd probably give myself a a, a six, at least in that dimension. Jacqueline's really hard on herself. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think one of the real truths about all of this kind of stuff is um, we think that uh, doing our best means 
you know, do we take the feedback and enact it immediately? Um, and I think that's just superhuman. I don't think that's what we'll do. Uh, the real test is, do you take the feedback and implement it eventually? Not eventually 10 years from now, but, you know, sometimes eventually in a, in a day, a week, maybe a couple weeks. Um, and I noticed that, you know, really great people who are, who are coachable, um, in a, in a not too uh, distant time, implement the things that they hear and the changes they want to make. Um, and I think that um, with that framework, uh, I would say that Jacqueline is very hard on herself in the present, but she's exceptionally coachable. Um, and that uh, she, she is resistant very often uh, to making the change, but that resistance yields to implementation of it. Um, and I really admire, I mean, when I, I've only known her for three years, which is amazing. Um, and I look at the growth trajectory that she's been on, uh, it just wouldn't be possible if she weren't supremely coachable. Kudos to both of you for being willing to, uh, to look in the mirror and, and actually self-evaluate here, here on air. You know, I want, I want for our listeners to take away from this, not wh- how they self, uh, not that they self-evaluated or what their conclusions were, but just how intense the thought process and introspection is, because these are two people who know what it takes to be coachable. They have written prescriptive, hard-hitting advice on what it takes to be coachable. And they're still willing to look in the mirror and say, you know what? There's room for growth. Uh, there's places to go. And yet their stakeholders sitting side by side will also look back and say, you know, you're doing a heck of a lot better than you thought you were. And this is the essence of becoming coachable. So distilling some of these, uh, some of these key learnings down for our listeners, I think one big takeaway that I've got is adding to the daily checklist. You said there's four questions I could ask. Am I, what did I do my best to be open to feedback? What were the other three? Did I try my best to be open to change? Did I try my best to be open to feedback? Did I try my best to be open to taking action? And did I try my best to be open to being held accountable? Which I think might be one of the, one of Marshall's key questions, the accountability question. Uh, but if it isn't, it should be. <laughs> so then a, another takeaway that I think um, people should have, obviously, is chapter three uh, of the book. And you guys, uh, those of you listening at home, you can download this. You can also get your access to the Honor Education platform. So coming down to advice. I'm a coach. I have uh, a handful of clients and I'm also looking at bringing on more clients. What advice would you have for me as it relates to coachability, either with my existing clients or with the prospective clients? I think especially before taking on a client, it becomes about asking that question. Do I really think this person is going to be successful? And trying to take some of the emotion out of it. You know, I know especially for those of us who are coaches, we want to help people. Uh, it's, it's a very natural response, but just stepping back for a second and saying, is this person willing and able to help themselves? Mm-hmm. I think that's a really big piece of it. They, you know, they can profess to be open to going to the gym, but only they can actually do the reps, right? And so it's about being really honest if that person is going to put in the time and, and put in that mm-hmm. effort. And for someone that you may already be working with, it's about helping them learn to engage in that process better. Uh, so that can be a discussion on some of these tenants and, and sometimes ha- giving them hard feedback, having the hard, not, not shying away from the hard conversations. Yeah. I mean, look, it's hard, you know, uh, coaching is a business 
and we all want to have we all want to have clients. We all want to have great clients, uh, but sometimes clients aren't as great as we'd like them to be. Um, and it feels like a luxury to be able to turn clients away. But I do think that um, if your client isn't truly coachable, if they can't look at themselves and you can't look at them and say, are they really open to change, feedback, et cetera, then um, it may not be worth your time to coach them. Because um, our experience has been, my experience has been in many different fields, but it, particularly in coaching, uh, the clients that aren't coachable take up the most, of, most time of all your clients and then they have the least amount of impact. So um, while it does sort of fill your time, maybe too much of your time, uh, it may not be worth it. So what you're, what you're saying is that it feels like a luxury to be able to say no, but actually it's, it's just a smart opportunity cost to say, rather than sinking my time with this person who's going to bring a lot of pain and not a lot of pleasure, spend the time finding someone who's actually going to do the opposite. Is that fair? Right. In fact, I've, I've very much seen it where coaches will tell a prospective client, Hey, listen, I, I don't really think you're coachable at this time. And that can often be the catalyst that helps a client really come to that realization and say, wow, you're right. And they make a change. And sometimes that same client and coach end up working together successfully. But it's that willingness to be able to tell the truth. I think yeah. that makes a big difference. Good. Well, if our listeners want to follow you, follow your story, get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Uh, well, I have a weekly newsletter on LinkedIn, uh, which they're certainly welcome to subscribe to. Um, and then, um, you know, go visit us on hundredcoaches.com. Uh, I believe our contact information. There. Mm -hmm. You can also find us both on LinkedIn individually. Feel mm -hmm. free to follow along. Um, again, becomingcoachable.com has a little bit more information about us, about the book. Um, and you can also reach us through our website, agency.100coaches.com. Uh, especially if you are interested in pursuing a coach yourself or just looking to explore some of the options out there, uh, there is a button in the upper right-hand corner. Just hit that. Uh, give us a little bit of information and someone on our team will be in touch really shortly. Cool. I think that's going to bring me to my final question, which is, as we've said, there are so many uh, coaching methodologies out there. There's so many coaching groups and it's just really hard to find. It can be really hard to find the right coach. If there is a leader out there if there's an organization looking to bring coaching in and they're not sure where to start or just overwhelmed by all the options, would you be okay with people reaching out to you directly for advice and support? Absolutely. We actually had an epiphany about um, a little, maybe a year and a half ago. Uh, we, were, we were starting to scale as a business and as many businesses do, we were looking to be more efficient. Uh, and so we started putting systems in place where we'd have less phone calls and more efficiency. And we realized that was absolutely the wrong direction for us. Uh, we, um, we call ourselves a relationship first company because uh, what we want to do is have the highest impact and help as many people as possible. Uh, you know, we have a business model. We do, you know, we want to see more coaches in place to help leaders, um, but especially um, people who are responsible for supporting senior talent. Uh, we want to be their, their go-to resource to help them understand what's out there um, share our perspectives and knowledge. We try to be as transparent as possible um, and really be good partners for them. Whether they find their coaches through us or not, uh, we want to support their endeavor. Well, Scott Osmond, Jacqueline Lane, it has been my pleasure having you here. Thank you for both letting us know how we can get in touch with you as well as sharing your story. 
Those of you who are listening at home, if you have a question you'd like to ask or a guest you'd like to recommend, you can email us at podcast at mgscc.net. And remember, you can get your very own copy of the third chapter of the book, Becoming Coachable. If you are interested in downloading that, you can go to mgscc.net forward slash coach dash toolbox mgscc.net forward slash coach dash toolbox. And if you are already a certified stakeholder center coach, you can get that right inside your SCC coach portal. So go and get yours today. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. My guest, Scott Osman and Jacqueline Lane. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Conversations with Coaches and sharing both the chapter as well as the free access to the honor education system. You can find all of the links to their social and contact in the description below this video. This has been another episode in our series, Conversations with Coaches by Stakeholder Center Coaching, where we believe everyone deserves a stakeholder-centered leader. Thank you for joining us in this conversation. And until next time, keep learning, keep improving, and keep taking your coaching skills to the next level. Thank you very much.